From San Diego, California, this is a One Extraordinary Marriage Show, where being busy is overdone, romancing is fun, and scheduling sex has taken the guesswork out of wondering when you're going to get some. I'm Tony DeLorenzo, your co-host, along with my beautiful wife, Elisa. From coast to coast and around the world, thank you for joining us. It's time to talk sex, love, and commitment. Give us a call at 858-876-5663. That's 858-876-5663. In today's show, we talk about what happens when you're doing great and then it happens. You bonk. You're completely depleted of all energy. I found this anonymous quote uh, this week on Pinterest. and It says, I'm a strong person. But every now and then, I would like someone to take my hand and say, everything will be all right. Now, this week's hug is sponsored by Melt. And Melt will teach you how to massage your spouse and vice versa in the comfort of your own home. Since 2006, Dennis and Emma have been teaching couples the best massage techniques for each other. Melt will show you how to do just this as you treat your spouse to a romantic massage. Join thousands of other couples who are learning to make each other melt through massage at couplesmassagecourses.com slash O-N-E. And this hug that came in, um, this is a pretty powerful one, and the author of this hug expressly wrote it to bring hope to others. She says, I have so much to share with you, and I'm working on our story so you can know what a difference your podcast has made. I just wanted to send you a quick email to let you know that I found your podcast at a time when I suspected my husband was cheating and that my life as I knew it was going to be stripped away from me. I looked up any of your podcasts that had to do with fighting, cheating, or trust in the info. One in particular was Tony speaking of a friend that had just found out his wife was cheating and the entire podcast I was crying and could feel the Holy Spirit ministering to my hardened heart. And what your show did was give me a new perspective and hope. And I started to pray. I reached out to prayer warriors in my life. And we are in a process of God saving our marriage. Mm. I am listening to every podcast now. And I just thank God for what I heard that day. My husband was not cheating. So our story is all about the damaging, destructive spirit of jealousy, which I can't wait to share with you. But for now, please know your podcasts are anointed with the Holy Spirit. There was hope in your messages, real hope. That hope saved my beautiful life and the Mm. marriage I took for granted. Thank you, guys. I will be back in touch with our story and how much our marriage has grown and changed. I hope this may be a source of hope for someone in a similar situation. I love you guys for all you do. Well, we love you guys. And wow. That is just awesome. I love it. I love it knowing that you were in a place where you didn't know where to go. And you went and you started searching and you found something. You found us, the show, and how, you know, our everyday lives, what we deal with here in our marriage and the folks that we're around, Mm -hmm. you were able to glean from that. And take your marriage and start to look at your life and move it forward. Well, and I love that she's, you know, her whole thing was about taking action. Mm -hmm. She needed help and she started consuming all of this information and then reaching out to others 
to get them involved in the process of healing. Yeah. It wasn't just this closed off. I'm the only one in the world this is happening to, and I'm going to put myself in a place of isolation. Mm-hmm. And that's really why they're seeing a lot of healing in their marriage is because they're surrounding themselves with people who are lifting up the two of them and encouraging them and coming alongside of them. So that's, right. that's a powerful message. I can't wait to receive the follow-up on everything that's happened and how it happened and um, just where that couple is going now. Right. And so this week we're going to talk about that. It's a little bit about that action, you know, that happens in marriage. And this past weekend, for many of you who do know, and some of you don't, I'm a, I'm an avid road cyclist. I have been for many, many years of my life. Started out when I was 14. So I have done loads of cycling in my time. I've been blessed to see many parts of this country on a bike and a lot of it here in San Diego since we've lived here for the last 11 years now. And in that time, I've cycled many miles. Thousands. Yes. Tens of thousands of miles. Yes, I have. And this weekend, though, was not like any other. It, or it wasn't, it wasn't any unusual. different, yeah. un- unusual. My buddy who has been training for a double century that is going to be coming up here in a couple of weeks. He's been going out doing long rides, century, 100 miles or more. This past weekend, he was going out for one. And in particular, he was going to head up to Mount Palomar, which is a fantastic climb here in uh, our region uh, either from the east grade or the south grade, you climb 11 or 12 miles. You climb up to a height of about 5,500 feet. Uh, we live in San Diego, so I think our elevation of where we live is maybe about three, 400 feet. No kidding, onto the onto the freeway here, the 56, and we're at Torrey Pine State Beach in 15 minutes or less without traffic. So that's saying we don't have traffic. <laughs> So that's that's sort of this sort of just a, a lead up to what happened though. So we leave Saturday morning early about five twenty and we start heading up to Mount Palomar. We take sort of a, a back route that's gonna lead through Ramona and Santa Isabel, which is a beautiful little town that has great Julian apple pie. We didn't stop there because we were very early in the morning through this amazing plateau called Mesa Grande that then leads us to the east grade of Palomar Mountain, an 11 mile climb up to the top. And at that point, we're at about mile 48, 49 before starting the climb. Everything is going great. I mean, it's it's rolling. We're doing well, we're feeling good. And we start the climb. And I'm feeling wonderful. Tim is having a little bit of a problem staying on with my pace, which is no big deal, especially when we're doing long climbs. Because everybody has their different rhythms and where you're at. And so I just, I started my rhythm and I was just feeling good. So I stayed ahead of him, get to the top. And he comes in sometime later, just not all there. He's just, man, I'm just not feeling it today. And I'm like, okay, no problem. Let's get you some food. Let's just get, let's get going. We'll start headed back down. So the first 60 miles are just great. Awesome. Sounds like a honeymoon period. It was. It was that honeymoon period for sure. And then we start coming down. It's a 12-mile descent down the south grade that takes us from 5,500 feet down to below 1,000. 
the heat increased. It takes us into a crummy area in the sense of the road is just trashy. It's a Rincon area. Um, the shoulder is just filled with junk, glass, you name it. There's cars going by. It's hot. And we're doing, we're starting to climb outside of this sort of valley. At that point in time, I get a flat tire. Not too thrilled about that. I never enjoy getting flat tires when I am doing a century ride. It, it just, it stops the flow. You have to get off. And again, here we are on this road. It's hot. It's crummy. And so that's sort of like, okay, it, it, it's a flat tire. You deal with it. It's sort of like little things in your marriage. Hey, something happens. You deal with it. It's an inconvenience. That, that's what a flat tire is compare it, comparing it to a marriage. It's an inconvenience. You got to take care of it. You got to fix it. Mm-hmm. And you're going to move forward. And that's what, that's what we did. We start moving up this climb, though. It's getting hot. And we're just, we're just rolling. We're just trying to keep ourselves motivated. The heat is really starting to come on now. We thought it was going to be a cooler day. It's probably topping into the, the low 90s. Mm-hmm. And as we're going, we end up in Valley Center at mile 80. So 20 miles of, it was just a treacherous 20 miles. Like the first 60 went so fast, so quick. And the last 20 were just hard and they were just rough and sweat and grime and cars and noise. And just turning the cranks was just work, like a lot of work. So we get to Valley Center and we stop and we sit down and I grab an iced tea and my buddy Tim grabs a, an icy and a Slurpee. And it, we're just sitting there, we're relaxed, and I'm going, okay, Tim. And I'm, and at this point, I'm not feeling great. I can tell the heat's starting to hit me. And I go, Tim, you know what? We're, we're at the edge of Valley Center. We're going to do this little climb over the hill, and then we're going to drop right down into Escondido. I go, it should be a, it, I go, it, it's a fast downhill. We should do great. You know, and we'll just, we'll just motor on home. We get up over this little climb, which, was painstakingly long for us. And then we start going down and it's at that moment that I feel like I'm about to throw up. I am doing everything I can to hold it in. My mouth is getting dry. I'm just, Oh my gosh, this is just, it's rough. Every pedal stroke, I can just feel it. And I'm thinking to myself, don't throw up. And that was one of the toughest mental times I've had on the bike in a long time. Cause I've only thrown up on the bike once before. And as we're, as we're rolling down, I, we're getting towards the bottom and we're slowing down. And, and I look over to Tim and I'm like, Hey, how are you doing? He's like, man, I'm not, I'm, I'm having a tough time. And I'm, and I told him, I'm said, yeah, man, I go, I'm holding it in right now. I go, I'm just barely holding this thing in. He goes, yeah, me too. I go, okay, man. Well, we're, we're at the bottom. Let's, let's just put it home and we'll, we'll be fine. Still not feeling well though. Like I said, I mean, I'm just holding it in. So we roll probably another three miles from that point, And all of a sudden, psh, nuts, another flat. This time it's Tim and he has a tire that's called tubeless. They're very hard to repair on the road. In any case, he blows out the whole sidewall of his tire. 
Tire's gone. Tire's gone. Yeah, it's a brand new tire. He has to buy a new tire. It's done. So we're sitting here on the side of the road now. And I'm still feeling like junk. It's hot. And I decided at this point, I got to call Lisa. I've been texting her, telling her, hey, I'm going to be a little later than we expected, this, that, and the other. So I call Lisa and let her know what's happening. Yeah, I get the phone call. Uh, We've had two flats. The heat is really bad. And Tim has called his wife to come and pick him up. And so I, you know, my immediate question is, where are you and what condition are you in? Because if Tim's getting picked up, then that means he's solo. And, you know, the way this ride had started, my original time frame, Tony left about 530 Saturday morning. And the original time frame was about six, six and a half hours. So we were looking at somewhere between 1130 and 12. Mm -hmm. And I get the first text about 11 that says we're actually going to be showing up between one and two. So I'm already starting to do the calculations. Okay, they're going to be on the road at least another two or three hours outside of what they were expecting. Mentally, something's going on here that's causing this delay. You know, and that my first response to the first text was, "You guys, you know, like, what have you guys run into? What's going on?" Because that's a really big gap. Tony doesn't usually undershoot his time by that much, and so he's like, "You know, just, unless you're climbing for the first sixty miles of the ride, right?" But which, but you hadn't factored that in, so right. for you to be a difference of three hours oh, yeah. potentially was a really big thing, and so you know, it's just kind of on my radar screen all day. And then I get this phone call, and I said, "I'm going to come pick you up." And there was a little ego there. I was like, it's like, no, I'm, I'm good. I, I'm good. I can make it. And I said, where are you? He's like, well, I'm in Escondido. He's like, you got the kids. You know, I'm like, honey, if you're in Escondido, which for where we are in Carmel Mountain is all of like 15, 20. I mean, it probably took me 15 minutes to get to you. Mm-hmm. Um, not a big deal. But for him to have to push the pedals that 50 miles, you know, it's 15 minutes for me. It's an hour for him on the bike. And I just said, look, I'm just going to drop the kids home. I'm going to get something cold so that you've got something cold in the car and I'm coming to get, you know, it it was just, in my mind, it was a non-negotiable, like I'm coming to get you. And I've never done this on the, when he's been on the bike, there has been one other time that I had to come and it was actually right over here in Carmel mountain when you like blew a tire. Yeah, that was nothing big, nothing big. I've never had to come and pick him up Hmm. and I've never been in a position where I've actually just said, I'm coming to pick you up. And, and I will have to say a lot of that is my pride. Sure. On being on the bike and all I've done and traveled on. So at, at that point in time, it was just interesting because when I hung up the phone with Elisa, I said my goodbyes to Tim. I said, hey, man, just let me know that you get picked up and you're good. And I pedaled on because our, our deal was, hey, I'm going to just continue to pedal. This is the road I'm going to be on. If I get to our our point before you do, I'll wait. If not, you'll see me flip a Yui, pick me up, and we'll be good. But as I'm riding, I'm thinking, what, what an amazing place to be. Because as much as I felt like junk, I knew somebody was coming to help me out. And I could pedal. I could keep pedaling. Because I knew Elisa was coming. And that that mentally helped me move forward. See, because that whole sickness part of it, the throw up part of it, I realized that all had to do with altitude sickness. 
because I went from that 400, 500 elevation where I live to 5,500. And I don't hang out at 5,500 that long. And then we came right back down. And then the heat settled in. And it's at those moments, though, when I look at marriage and I go, you bonk. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going good for 60 miles. You're going good for the first six years. You know, everything's going. Like Elisa said, it's that honeymoon stage. Everything is just awesome. It's just rolling. Everything's hitting. Everything's going right. You're you're moving along. Boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. And then you bonk. You hit that wall. You have to sit down. You have that flat tire. You have the loss of a child. You find out your, your spouse is looking at pornography. You look at your checking account and you realize that there's more month than money. Man, that's, that's marital bonking. Mm-hmm. And I know that because I've been there. I've felt that. We've lived it. We've lived that. Right. We've bonked many times in our marriage and we've had different responses to it throughout that. And a lot of you, you know, as I start to describe some of these possible responses that you have when you hit the wall, when you bonk and, and you know, those of you that are athletes or work out or do any type of thing, you know what that's like when you get to the point where you're just done, where physically and emotionally you got nothing. And for those of you that have never bonked, you know, Google marathoners and bonking or cyclists and bonking and they'll describe it to you. I mean, it's just this feeling of almost nothingness, like no reserves, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you, you have to stop. You have to, you have to replenish yourself. And some, I mean, Tony was telling the kids about you know, a double century. He did where he bonked twice, recovered, bonk, recovered, bonk, you know, and then pulls into the finish line, you know, some 18 hours later. Because he's just so wonderfully stubborn. God created a very stubborn man in my husband. But, you know, in, in past situations, and Tony even alluded to this, Tony has a lot of pride on the bike. And a lot of you have a lot of pride when it comes to certain situations in your marriage. And that pride, when you're bonking for some of you, you just keep pushing through. You don't include your spouse in what's going on. You're like, I'm just going to, I'm going to somehow just muscle my way through this. You know, our finances are a mess. I've been overspending. I'm just, I'm going to solve this problem. I'm going to figure out some way. And the problem doesn't get solved. The addiction doesn't go away on your own. The debt doesn't go away on your own because you haven't included that other person that's there and prepared like I was to come and pick you up. You know, I didn't even bat an eye. Yes. Did I have other things that I was going to do while Tony was on his ride? Absolutely. But when he called and described those circumstances, there was nowhere else I was supposed to be except taking my kids back to the house. And my kids were amazing that day. One of them's like throwing, you know, beach towels in the car. So dad doesn't have to sit all sweat, hot and sweaty on the car seat. And the other one's, you know, getting iced tea with extra ice. So he's going to be all cooled down and tossing a Coke in the car. So he's got, you know, the sugars and stuff. I mean, they just like everybody went into motion because Tony didn't let his pride keep him from accepting help. He didn't decide to push on and he could have. I mean, I don't, I can't tell you how many times in the last two days. Well, I could have made it home. 
That, that's still the pride talking. And I said, yes, you could have. But you would have been so physically fatigued and worn out that you would have been useless the rest of the day. Me picking you up that hour early, knowing that someone was coming to get you, knowing that I was there made all the difference because you didn't have to go that last hour by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, some of you, some of you get paralyzed when you're at the bonk. You, you freeze up because you don't know what to do and you don't reach out for help. So some of you got too much ego and you just push through. Some of you get paralyzed and you just go into the state of inactivity. See, and a bonk can last a long time too on a bike or when you're doing something extreme or beyond your, beyond your abilities where you just have gone too far. It can, you can, you can be there for a long time if you don't start getting help. If you don't look for what needs to happen, you know, to replenish your body, Mm -hmm. you know, because what it is, is that your body is done. It's, it's, it's out of energy, electrolytes, carbohydrates, proteins, sugars, all of it, it's gone. And so you can prolong that. I can prolong that as a cyclist by not getting what I need in, Mm -hmm. which has happened in the past because you just feel so darn depleted. But then I've always realized that I need to get back to where I was. And so to do that, you got to reach out and you got to ask for help. Mm -hmm. You got to look to somebody and go, Hey man, can you just help me with this right now? Because I am not good right here. And I'm going to sit down and I've been at races and events where I've sat down and somebody, a race organizer, a volunteer will come up and they'll be like, Hey, what can I get you right now? So that we can get you back to where you need to be. And that's, that's the third reaction. So there's, there's pride and pushing through there's paralysis and inactivity. And then the third one, the one that makes a difference in your marriage is opening your mouth and saying, I need help. Not just that I need help, but I'm willing to accept help. Because it's one thing to just put the words out there like, I, you know, I could really use some help now. And it's a whole nother thing to be willing to accept the help, the help that your spouse is giving you. And I was, because there have been times in the past when, you know, Tony's called because they're delayed or something like that. I'm like, do you need me to come get you? I mean, we had, I know this is going to sound crazy for all you people that actually get rain, but we had like this torrential storm um, a few weeks ago. And Tony got caught in it. I, I immediately call him. I'm like, are you, you know, do you need me to come pick you up? Cause I know we weren't expecting these rains. And, and he, I, he didn't blow me off, but he was just like, we're good. We're good. No, I mean, no big deal. It's just water. I'm like, okay. But yesterday was different. Yesterday I could hear the exhaustion. Yesterday I could hear two flat tires, heat. I actually get altitude sickness. So I know the symptoms and I know how it wrecks your body. And so when he's talking all the altitude and everything like that, I'm like, you're shot. I am coming to get you. And he didn't tell me no. He tried. I mean, at first he was kind of like, no, it's, it's good. I, I'm like, I'll be fine. I'll just, it'll take me a little longer. And I didn't have to push that hard to get him to concede. And then it was just a matter of making it happen. 
and the dynamic that occurred, you know, like here I am. And I don't often get the chance to come to Tony's rescue. He is my protector. He, he takes incredibly good care of me. And so it's not a role that I'm in very often. And for some of you, that may be the case in your marriage. It may feel a little uncomfortable to come into that kind of that hero role or rescuer or aid or whatever word you want to use. The thing is, is that just like that quote I read at the beginning, you know, sometimes I just want somebody to hold my hand and tell me everything's going to be okay. Our spouses need that from us. Your spouse may be in a situation today while you're listening to this show that they need you to reach out to them and hold their hand and say, what can I do for you? They may just be in a position they can't ask for it, but they're waiting for you. And you have some idea that something is going on. Get out of your comfort zone and ask them. Just like Tony was talking about those race directors that, that see the guys, you know, holding their head in their hands, just, you know, all fatigued and pale and whatnot, knowing, you know, do you need sliced oranges? Do you need a Coke? Do you need a bagel? What do you need? Same thing happens to your spouse. Do you need a hug? Do you need to talk about it? What do you need me to do for you right now? And they may not be able to tell you. It may just be holding hands and letting your spouse know, you know what? I've got your back. I'm not going anywhere. I am coming to get you because when you bonk, whether it's in a race or in your marriage, it feels very lonely. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, if you're like me where I had to reach out and I had to call for help, I had to do it. I had to let Elisa know what was going on with me there. So if you're in a place where you, where you're at that marital bonk, you, you need to reach out and you're going, I need help. You know, for me, it was food. It was nourishing for you. It may be your soul, maybe your mind. It may be those things that you, you can't just, you know, put it in you. You're going to have energy. You need to work through these things Then I want to ask you, to go to oneextraordinarymarriage.com slash 30 minutes. And that is to set up a free 30-minute consultation call with Elisa. Because in marriage, you can bonk. You can. We've been there. And we've seen many couples who have gone and been there themselves and worked their way out of there. But you have to be the first one to pick up the phone or in this case, to type in the URL and go, hey, Elisa, I'm calling you because I've bonked or my marriage has bonked and I need help. So go to oneextraordinarymarriage.com slash 30 minutes and you'll get Elisa's calendar and you can set up the time and the date that works best for you. Once again, it's oneextraordinarymarriage.com slash 30 minutes. It's not easy to ask for help. It's not. There are a lot of conflicting emotions that go through your head. And so many people, and you may be included, see asking for help as a sign of weakness. And I want to tell you that asking for help is a sign of strength. Recognizing where you are weak, recognizing that you can't do everything 
and that you don't have all the answers, that is a sign of, of strength, of maturity. It's a sign that you're human. And asking somebody to come alongside you, reaching out to your spouse and saying, I'm struggling. And then, you know, like Tony said, finding the help of a coach, reaching out to me so that I can equip you with the tools that the two of you need to move forward. That is strength. It is not letting your pride get in the way, not letting your ego get in the way, but saying, I want a better life. I want to be healthy, just like Tony did. I want to make it home. I can't do it by myself. You can't get past the bonk all on your own. You need to reach out for help. Yeah. And the marital bonk, it happens. Been there. We know folks who have been there. The cool thing is that you can get out of it. You can recover. And that's the coolest part. It's just, are you willing to put your ego aside? Are you willing to raise your hand and say, hey, I need help right now for this little period of time? Just like me, I had to raise my hand and said, Alisa, I need help. Doesn't mean next weekend I'm going to need her help when I go out on another bike ride. But right now you may need that help. So don't wait. Take the opportunity right now to get on her ca- on her calendar and set up a call at oneextraordinarymarriage.com slash 30 minutes. Go out there. Have a fantastic week wherever you're at. Love on your spouse. And, and do know that we love you guys. Have a fantastic week.